It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by the one, the only, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Yo, what's going on, guys? So, we have, we've been, I've been teasing this thing for like a whole week now. And we all say recruiting is the lifeblood of the, of the sport. And we have a special guest for you guys, but that's a little bit later. Just a little bit later. We have some things we got to get out the way first. And then we'll talk, we'll project uh, this Miami Hurricanes roster going forward into 2020 because of course recruiting and projecting and bye weeks that's all what we do so without no further ado make sure you go follow the show on twitter at locked on canes make sure you follow myself on twitter at fred Purdue cfb and make sure you go follow cam at underwood sports on twitter so now that we've gotten the formalities out of the oh. way uh-oh hey wait i'm sorry he spells his name P E R D U E because I was looking Purdue like the school oh. for the longest time, and I was messing it up. So yeah, Fred Purdue P E R D U E C F B as you go to follow my man. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. I, I've gotten that a lot. I've gotten that a lot. I am not the name. The school is not my namesake. But if they would love to cut the check, they can at any point. I heard that? Of course. So. Let's talk a little. We have a few news and notes here. So just to start off, um, and we got a little bit of a story time to go with it. So uh, transfer defensive end from Virginia Tech. He made the best decision. Maybe he should have made it a long time ago. But I don't fault him. He made the right decision no matter what. Uh, Trevon Hill has been uh, has accepted his invitation to the Senior Bowl. And, you know, it's one of the – it's going to only help him. Uh, he didn't have a full – He's had, he had a pretty okay career at Virginia Tech, but it wasn't – like. and really his time at Miami, he never really got a chance to just get in, just enthralled in the, into this defense. So he was more of a, a rotational player, and that's fine. He's, he's veteran leadership. That's great. But now this is money-making time, and I've had experience in this game. Cam, what do you think? Well, you know, Trayvon Hill, uh, he redshirted as a freshman. He had eight sacks over the first two years at Virginia Tech, uh, two and a half and then five and a half with, was that 15 and a half tackles for loss? Mm-hmm. Was I doing my quick maths there? Uh, then he had three and a half tackle, or sacks and four and a half tackles for loss last year before leaving the team, uh, you know, in – you know, who, who wants to really go into that? But there was some contentious circumstances, and Virginia Tech saw like 40 players transfer out, and he was one of them. Uh, but now he's coming down to Miami, and he's continued a strong level of play. He's played in all 10 games. He has four sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. Yes, he could have had more snaps early in the season. I know that some people are displeased at who started the year at defensive end for Miami. I'm not going into that because I'm not casting aspersions about that player. I'm just saying Trayvon Hill is showing, flashing uh, his talents on the field now and uh at the or yeah at the game the win third consecutive against florida state a couple weeks ago there was a play where gregory russo ended up getting a sack and instead of tweeting about that i said no no no, run that back and watch 94's get off because he was literally in the backfield and it was he was the only player on the field who moved at the snap other than the center's hand like, he was around the corner of the left tackle before the left tackle had even a thought of, you know, oh, I should pass it or, oh, I should go do this because he, he perfectly timed up that, that rush. And, you know, he's a guy with great size, and he's, you know, got developing skills, obviously. He's a fifth-year senior, and he's playing to that level now. So I, I think it's a really special thing for him. The Senior Bowl is the biggest showcase that you can have uh, post 
season for, uh, you know, after all of the games are done for any draft or a senior draft prospect. That's the biggest game possible. So to get nominated to that is really outstanding for him. And I really look forward to uh, him having a great time. But, you know, I don't want to necessarily talk about his great time. Fred, you have a story about your great time or experience at the Senior Bowl. So why don't you regale me and our listeners with your experiences down there? So I had an opportunity um, to go to the Senior Bowl in, I think it was 2012, where this was the A.J. McCarron, um, Geno Smith time. So it's been a minute. It's been definitely been a minute. Um, I had a chance to have not only field access, but also media access. I had everything. I had the whole shebang. I took my inch and went a whole mile. I even brought home a little bit of fan gear. It's a it's statue of limitations are gone already, so whatever. So, <laughs> so um, I had a chance to meet guys like Denard Robinson, uh, Kenyon Barner, Jamar Taylor, who plays for the played for the Dolphins. I think he plays for the Browns now. Uh, it, it, there's been a, a multitude of guys that have been there, and this game, I, I actually had. The best one, I, I got a chance to formally meet Nick Saban. Uh, it was the first time in, of many that I've met Nick Saban. Um, met Chip Kelly, actually, as well. That was going in, It was the offseason going into his tenure with the Eagles. Uh, and got a chance to kind of chop it up with those guys. And it was very interesting. Um, Nick Saban is, the, is literally the, the main attraction for everyone in the media. Even though it has nothing to do with him, he comes out and supports his players. Uh, A.J. McCarron, believe it or not, did not show up despite being the, the Senior Bowl being in Mobile, his hometown. He did not show up. Um, interesting story about Geno Smith, who was supposed to be there too, the West, the West Virginia quarterback. He just talking to different scouts and and guys that were there, you know, watching other players. He was always asleep in in meetings and just disinterested and that was went was a large piece before any of that information ever came out to the public that was the rumblings down there um in mobile before and that was a big piece of him actually not getting drafted as high as he wanted to be drafted unfortunately and we see you can see those things translating now to where he is now in the nfl a he he's a fringe backup um there were some good players in that draft, uh, in that draft with a pool of players that were there. One Jamie Collins, who plays for my New England Patriots, uh, former. He was a safety at the time coming out of, of Southern Miss. Uh, guys like Ziggy Ansah uh, at BYU and others. There were various other players. Um, if One name you may remember, Mike James, running back from Miami. He was there. He was a late add-in, came in, fit in perfectly, and actually had a nice – few year, cup of coffee in the NFL. He's a Polk County guy, so I had a little bit of a connection with him. Okay, I mean, look, that's a a good experience. I'm I'm glad that the statute of limitations has run out on your theory of fan gear. Um, I also oh, I have, paid for it. I just can't. We can't talk as, as I, media I guys. Know, you know, know we know, can't know, talk know, about I, that I, kind I, of I thing. You. I know. Yeah. I, know. Um, I was gonna say, you know, it's it's good to hear, uh, you know, about my boy Geno Smith. Uh, you know, because I worked at Miramar when he was there. Uh, I worked there from his sophomore year to senior year. So uh, that was, yeah, you know, good. I, you know, wish he would have been a first rounder and, you know, hope he can still uh, resurrect uh, what's left of his career. Uh, 
I will neither confirm nor deny that there might be stories of him from when he was in high school, but uh, I mean, hey, I'm just saying, I can neither confirm nor deny. I'm just saying, you know, a man lives his life, maybe there might be stories. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, but you know, the Senior Bowl is a, it's a great experience. Uh, I was hurt a little bit with the Ziggy Ansah drop because he was not the player I thought he was going to be for my Detroit Lions, but he wore number 94, just like Trayvon Hill. So he's going to go down there, play against some really top talent, Again, uh, most of the best seniors in this class are going to be there at that game. Uh, if they're not playing because of injuries, they'll still be there to go through at least some of the evaluations of the teams uh, that are there. And most all the NFL teams pop on down. So, uh, you know, you get that experience. And you see uh, sometimes that whichever coaching staff is working with a particular player, they will draft that player down the line. So it might not be a first-round pick, but – you know, say that, you know, the Chargers are coaching one of the teams and they're working with some player. And Definitely. Like, this guy could fit. So we don't even need to bring him into the combine. We don't need to do any of these other things because we're putting him through our weekly uh, process now. And we see, okay, cool. It comes down to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You remember Buddy from the Senior Bowl? Sure do. Pull the trick. Boom, done. And, you know, so, yeah. You know, one of the fun things I got a chance to do, and I got usually the coaches and the the scouts, they don't stay for the game. That's the one thing most fans don't understand is they don't stay for the game. They they come for the first couple of days. They get to see what they want to see because the practices are separate. You have the north practice and you have the south practice and they're opposite sides of the city. So that's a that's it's it's one of those things if you don't have a team of people which is why you know all of these major networks ESPN and uh, the NFL network and such they send multiple teams of people because you can't watch everything Uh, I took a camera guy with me and you know he took over 500 pictures and I've shared a ton of these pictures. I mean, I have pictures with me and one K one short. He was—I mean, he was a monster down there. I actually ran into Jadavian Clowney. Those guys actually come to these events. He was a freshman and coming out of a freshman at South Carolina at the time. Uh, ran into Pat White the former West Virginia quarterback. I mean, he was one of my favorite players in college. You know, you see various guys, uh, former coaches, uh, actually had a chance. Interesting story, and I I won't run too long on this one, but, you know, this was the the Sean Payton bounty gate year. So, you know, I look at – Oh, nice. Yeah. Another hurricane connection with John Vilma on that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when when this happened, I remember Steve Spagnuolo was the defensive coordinator going – coming after that year. And he – I saw him at the beginning of practice – and I said, hey, how are you doing? We kind of had – we chopped it up for a minute, and, and I got a couple questions in. He had on Saints gear. And then I said, okay. I walked past him again, and he had a black shirt on, but nothing else. He had been fired within a few minutes. And I said, wow, that's crazy to think how, you know, those type of things happen right then on the spot. You know, uh, Sean Payton was a whole big deal you know, you saw you saw some of the biggest names in sports media, the the Matt Millers of the world, um, the McShays of the world. You know, you see these people and you're like, OK, I remember you, I see you from TV, but you're not you know, you're the same guy. But, you know, this was a thing like they're all in this man's grill asking him questions because this is the first year back. And it was a very cam i'm telling you it's an interesting experience it's almost like a football convention you know how we have comic-con and all these other things if you love this game 
college and the NFL, uh, this is something that you would love to go to because there's events around it. Uh, you got to, we got to go on a battleship uh, because it's mobile, so you have the Navy bases and everything down there. So, and of course the food. Of course, I can't go without saying the food. It's the South, man. Come on, we we have well, that's the dirty, dirty South. So we have really good. I had really good hole in the wall spots because you can't go to the popular places for food. You go to the hole in the wall places, and you know I've always said I got to go back down there again because it's a very it's very fun and your head spinning because there's so much to do whether you're a fan and you get media days and you get to talk to all the players um i think the one player i i really had an interesting time with was denard robinson being a florida guy i asked him you know why you went to the wrong um i remember asking him that and he said i went to the right um i said no that one's the wrong one and you had all right career though um but you know you talk to guys like that and they're they're very interesting people and just made a lot of connections with not only players but also some some gms had a couple conversations with those guys and they're very down-to-earth people they're exactly what you think they are uh one rex ryan actually bumped into me and we kind of talked some ball and that was very fun nice yeah and denard robinson is another player that i know because my first job was at deerfield beach when he was a sophomore and junior um so yeah that's a that's another really great player uh i think that he went to the right um for him uh especially at that time but uh yeah you know it's a the senior bowl is a great experience I've heard from everybody all around. Uh, get you a podcaster who can go to both the hole in the wall and the popular spots for food, though, because that's me, because I'm going everywhere for all the food. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, man, you know, I think it's going to be uh, another great experience every year. It always is. Uh, Reese's and the Senior Bowl Foundation, they put on a great show. Uh, and I look forward to hopefully Trayvon Hill putting on a great show and elevating his draft stock by the work that he does on the field while he's out there in Mobile. Definitely. And I think this is going to be able to show – this transfer portal thing is going to help uh, a lot of these players, these seniors going forward because of the fact that they're able to, when they go to these events, they can see because they're coached by NFL coaches. It's not like a, a high school uh, combine type of situation where you're just having, you may have college coaches that and their assistants, they're not the top dog and they they probably weren't, no shots taken, but they're not the best at, at what they did and giving those little secrets like a, a Richard Sherman tell it, talking about giving uh, grabbing a guy's arm, but it looks like they're grabbing skin. You know, you see little things like that. Those kind of guys give the secrets away, but at this level, I mean, these a lot of the players. The one thing I, I the one thing I learned there too is, you know, they they expect you. They run practice like an NFL practice, and a lot of these guys aren't used to that. Um, so it it really does lend itself to showing guys what kind of professionalism it's going to take to be. It's a nice little taste for one week of what their next three years, five years, and if some are lucky, 10-plus years are going to be like for the of their life as far as a professional football player. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's basically the progressional um, step from the opening as a high school recruit, you know, where you're playing against all the, the best players in your recruiting year. Then at the Senior Bowl, you're playing against all the best guys or most of the best guys who are going to the next level. So just like at the opening, you see, okay, well, I was a four-star All-American, and I think that I could hang, and then, well, no, there's guys who are bigger, faster, stronger, who can do stuff that you can't. Then you look at the Senior Bowl, you see some of those same things, and also this is where some of these guys find a niche for themselves. Okay, I could do everything because I was playing against, you know, 
not the best of the best every single week. I'm a defensive end who can, you know, rush the passer, uh, flex inside sometimes, be a run stopper, go, uh, you know, uh, drop into coverage. I can do everything that you ask, but that's against intermittent competition. But now if I'm stepping up, then it sees, okay, I'm going to do insert thing here. You know, Cliff Averill is in the league, uh, and he is, I don't even know if he went to the Senior Bowl, but he was basically a, a pass rusher mm-hmm. exclusively. So he didn't need to be, you know, Mr. All-World do everything because he's still in the league after 11 years rushing the passer. So when you're at the Senior Bowl, you can see, okay, this is my athletic profile, and maybe these are the skills and traits that I have that can lead me to a lucrative career at the next level because everybody's trying to get to it. Was it 53 or 43 games? Yeah. Of active status? Yes. So that they get to that NFL pension. You know what I mean? Like, they're tr- or I think it's 53. It's like three years plus a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's whatever the number is. They're trying to get to that many weeks of active service to get the NFL pension. And you have to know NFL stands for not for long. So that means you're not going to be the making that money for that long of a time because most people don't end up with these, you know, $300 million contracts and things like that. You got the rank and file guys who are playing special teams who are, you know, the fourth defensive end on a roster, just sticking around and being a team player and doing whatever. And, you know, some of those guys are going to be there in Mobile, you know, and Trayvon Hill is one of them. So, obviously, I hope that he is very successful both that week and moving uh, forward in the future. And we'll see his, you know, next step along that path when he takes on, you know, some of the best of the best at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Definitely. Now, you know, we promised a one of the – we promised us – Promise you guys a, a big time fan, uh, you fans to a, a big time guest to come through. We're going to be talking a little bit of recruiting, so we'll be getting to that in just a sec. All right, so I promised you guys that we'll be talking recruiting, and I have Andrew Ivins from 24 7 Sports and inside the U.com to help talk about recruiting because we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we have an expert here. Andrew, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good. Ivan's, man. It's been a while. It has, man. How you holding up, Cam? How you enjoying the bye week? I mean, I'm good with it. You know, I've been uh, just kind of hanging out during the bye week. But I see that you guys are over there grinding a little bit on 247. So, um, you know, in this bye week that we're all both enjoying, how are things going for Miami in general on the recruiting trail? Well, it's going good, I think, just kind of in general right now for Miami. I mean, about a month ago, we were talking about how is this staff going to hold on to what they have committed? And now it's like, how can they upgrade what they do have committed just because uh, of the events that have played out? I mean, Miami's won three straight. You know, Jaron Williams looks like a legit quarterback one. And there's a head coaching vacancy right now in Tallahassee. So, um, the narrative has, has shifted a lot over the past couple months. At, at the beginning of the season, uh, I think the folks in Coral Gables were thinking they're going to go and, and land some big dogs, and then they opened the year with two straight losses, and now it's kind of sh- and then it shifted towards all right, we got to hold on to what we have committed, and now it's back to let's go see what we can get, let's go shopping, and um, with about a month, I think, I think what five weeks away from the early signing period. I mean, Miami has some some space not a lot of it but they're going to try to go and get what they can get so andrew um we have before we're going to kind of dive into some of these fan questions because i promised these fans i promised the twitter verse that we definitely dive into these and to start off with ruben hypolite 
uh, MacArthur High School. What is what is his his status when it comes to as far as Miami is concerned? Uh, do you think this is something Miami can really take advantage of? Well, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, he seems to be uh, he's emerged as a fan favorite, a guy that most people want in the class. But the reality is, right now, Miami isn't trying to flip him from Maryland, based mm-hmm. on what I know. You know, the Hurricanes have three linebackers committed right now. Uh, and Tyreek Austin Cave, Corey Flagg, uh, and Alvin Mathis. They're chasing a fourth in, in Justin Flo. And, I mean, they'll find space for Justin Flo regardless. If he wants to come, he's got a spot. So Miami technically right now is, is full at linebacker. And I think the staff is keeping a close eye on, on Ruben Hypolite. I mean, they evaluated him in person back in the spring. They got him on campus uh, for a camp in early June. Uh, but they never really made a move. I don't know why. I, I like Ruben Hypolite. I, I saw him play oof, two or three weeks ago in a playoff game. I mean, he moves very well. Uh, he's a plus athlete. But for some reason right now, um, the decision makers at Miami haven't decided to to go all in on him just yet. Now, the offensive line was one of the biggest issues at the beginning of the year. and It seems like it's solidifying a little bit. But who are, the t- who are some of the top non uh, offensive line recruits that in the state of Florida that Miami is uh, actually looking to recruit? Well, they got one committed right now in Chris Washington. Uh, he's the kid from uh, right outside of Nashville, a small school called Overton. Not a big football powerhouse. I don't even think they won a game this season, but he's like a six seven tackle. I mean, he was at Hard Rock Stadium this past weekend for the game against Louisville. You look at him, you go, wow, this kid is – you know, he looks like what they're supposed to look like. Now, is he raw? Absolutely. Um, when Miami took his commitment, no one really knew much about him. But I will say uh, schools like Michigan have expressed interest. So I think it was a good early eval for Miami. So he's one that they're definitely planning on signing. I mean, they're going to take him, probably stash him on the roster and develop him. Uh, they just offered a new guy, Ty Jones, uh, out of South Carolina. He's a center. I believe 24-7 sports has him ranked right now as the number nine center in the country. An interior guy, probably can play guard or center. Um, Butch Berry watched him practice, liked what he saw, and they offered him a bid. And who knows what's going to happen in, in Columbia, South Carolina there. I mean, Will Muschamp, uh, I think his buyout's like $19 million, but they've they've lost some close games. So uh, there could be a coaching change there. And if that were to happen, I think that would open the door for Miami to maybe flip uh, Ty. And I'm not saying he won't he won't visit uh, Miami. I mean, who knows? I haven't had a chance to speak with him yet. I mean, Muschamp could stay, and he could still want to give Miami a look. But that's certainly one uh, to, to monitor. Brandon uh, Doyle is another kid that Miami has gotten in contact that they have spoke with. He's a Central Michigan commit, and I know everyone's going to cringe when I, when you hear Central Michigan commit, especially because he's got two or two or three stars next to his name, depending on the recruiting services. But he's a kid from Wisconsin, um, a, a state wrestler. I don't think he's a state champ, but he's a good wrestler, uh, and he's got a big, long uh, tackle type body. And everyone, you know, every year Wisconsin kind of makes a living on this. They'll they'll take a a bunch of they'll put, take five six offensive linemen and then um, let them sit on the roster, go through that training table, and develop them for uh, three years, and then you have a a monster of an offensive lineman. So uh, I think that might be the idea with there with Brandon Doyle. And then the last guy I would mention uh, is Chris Morris. He's a kid who's 
uh, at West Memphis. I, I think is that in Arkansas or, or Memphis? I, I, it's it's one of those areas. Uh, but he's committed to Texas A&M. Miami actually was late to offer him, and I think they kind of regret that because he's a kid who said a while back that Miami was his dream offer of sorts. Well, Miami offers, and then five days later he takes an official visit to Texas A&M and commits on the spot. So um, those are some of the names in play. I still think we'll we'll see some more emerge, and I, I know I we're throwing a lot. I threw a lot of names out there and all that. I mean, just my my thoughts on the offensive line recruiting is, I mean, it's pretty much a crapshoot. Um, Ja'Kai Clark, Zion Nelson, I mean, those were two late takes last year, and now they're both starting for the Hurricanes as true freshmen. Do you want to do that every year? No, but uh, it just shows that it's really hard to evaluate offense alignment, and you never know what you're going to get until they're really on campus. Definitely. Cam, anything Anything you got? I know, I know you're the recruiting guy here. <laughs> I mean, I won't dig too deep, but basically uh, my question, and I think it's one that everybody wants to know, Miami, like you were talking about, uh, Andrew, earlier, is maybe looking to upgrade uh, the recruiting class a little bit. So, uh, you know, just kind of walk us through what's going on with some of the top names. Your Justin Flo, your Darnell Washington, your, uh, you know, those four-star, five-star guys, uh, Jalen Knighton maybe, Dazzlin Warsham. You know, the, the, the names that are on everybody's brain because they have a lot of stars next to their names, so obviously that would make the recruiting class more uh, renowned nationally. Yeah, well, Justin Flo, I mean, let's start with him. He was the kid who was on campus for the official visit, uh, an absolute freak of a linebacker. He's got Miami in his top four right now, along with Georgia, Clemson, uh, and Oregon. Some people think USC's in there. I mean, Miami came into this visit knowing that they were fighting an uphill battle, right? I mean, they knew – uh, they were behind the eight ball, but based on everything I heard, everyone I talked with, they think that they made a legitimate move. Uh, does that mean they lead for him? No. Does that mean that uh, they're running number two for him? I don't know, but they do think that there's a fighting chance that they could sign him. And why is that? Because Coral Gables is the complete opposite um, of Athens, Georgia. It's the complete opposite of Clemson, uh, South Carolina. So um, they think that if Justin Flo wants to play in a big city uh, and he wants to go to school with palm trees around him, then Miami's going to be the spot. So we'll see. They're going to keep fighting that battle there. I mean, you know, I, if I'm handicapping this, I would give Miami a one in 10 chance, to be honest. But hey, they're in it. The same thing's probably said about Darnell Washington, the tight end from um, Las Vegas. I mean, we all know about the, the Vegas Canes. you got Brevin Jordan, uh, Bubba Bolden, and Tate Martell. Like, they've had success pulling kids out of the Sin City before. Darnell's a unique case. He's like Le- LeBron James playing uh, college football. I mean, he's a 6'7", 240-pound pass catcher, absolutely dominated Paradise Camp. Um, he's scheduled to take an official visit here in December. I think he likes Miami. But um, they're going up against some, some big blue bloods like Alabama. I mean, a- Alabama lost out on Eric Gilbert, who uh, was, was the nation's number one ranked tight end. So they've kind of turned the heat up on Darnell Washington. We'll see there. Um, not, not, not projecting him or Flo in the class right now. One guy I do think that they have a, a better chance than most are making it out to be is Jalen Knighton, uh, the running back from Deerfield Beach. I mean, Miami has struggled over the years to recruit kids out of Deerfield Beach, but um, Jalen Knighton could be the one that really bucks the trend. I mean, that's that's also a play on words, uh, nice. you know, the, the Deerfield Beach bucks. But 
when he decommitted from Florida State, a lot of people assumed that Florida was the team to beat. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm not really buying into that. Um, he had never been to Florida prior to this past weekend. He'd only been there one time on a bus tour. And I know he got there this past weekend for, for the Gators' win over Vanderbilt. But mom and dad were actually at Hard Rock Stadium for the Louisville-Miami game. Jalen Knighton's dad obviously played. Uh, at Louisville, but I think that says a lot. I mean, if he was serious, if the family was that serious about Florida, why weren't they there? So um, Miami has been chipping away. That's that's kind of the phrase I keep hearing with that. I mean, they've kept in contact with Jalen even even since he committed uh, to uh, Florida State back there in the summer months. So he's one I think they could uh, they could make a move with. And uh, who was the fourth one you asked me about? Daz Morsham is he is he kind of the fourth one? Yeah, he was kind of the fourth one. But, I mean, anybody of that kind of ilk, I guess. Uh, kind of ilk. Well, the stars, the star chasers might not uh, be as sold on this kid as I am, but I'm a huge Jalen Harrell guy. Uh, he, The safety at a highly is Champagnat Catholic. I had a chance to watch him play against Gulliver Prep a few weeks ago. When I saw him right away, I said SECDB. Like he's tall and he's long. He's a he's a big safety, and I think if he if he, he also took an official visit this past weekend, if he were to come to Miami, um, I, I would put him near the, the top half of that of the class in just terms of pure talent. I mean, I think he'd probably be honestly be the the best defensive back in the class. So um, Miami battling UCF, which sounds a little weird, but. Uh, he's got some family ties to Randy Shannon, who's obviously the Knights defensive coordinator. And then and then he's also considering Georgia Tech. And I don't know why, but kids are starting to buy into Georgia Tech. And I think it's a little scary, scary thing if you're a Miami fan, because once once they get that thing going, I, I think they're going to win a lot of games. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I think if I had to guess right now, he, he ends up at Miami, but I'm still not ready to, to peg that until I know uh, just when exactly uh, he's going to make a decision, as I think. You know, he, he's leaving leaving the door open for some other schools to maybe get involved. We got one last uh, Twitter question before we get you out of here, Andrew. Who is the one dark horse recruit on either side of the ball that if you could ha- if you had it your way would sign uh, with the University of Miami? So, like, I'm assuming dark horse uh, would be guy that Miami's talking with that maybe doesn't have the best chance with is exactly. That what we're kind of... exactly okay so um the first one that jumps off out to me is Keyshawn Johnson he's a top 247 linebacker um from Wakula which is right outside of Tallahassee um he's been committed to Florida State I think Keyshawn throughout the Green? Keyshawn Green is that what I said you said Johnson but Green I just want to clean it Green up. oh yeah sorry I'm I'm looking at two different things. Keyshawn Green, yeah. So he's a kid who I first saw at the Legends Classic, um, which is an all-star game that they have for kids, the the winner before their senior seasons. And I said right away, I'm like, this kid is a freaky athlete. I mean, he's 6'3", 195 pounds. I think he's run like a 4'4 on the lasers. Let me pull that up real quick. But yeah, 4'4", 9 in the 40-yard dash, 4'6", um, 6 in the shuttle. So uh, Miami offered him – the two days after Willie Taggart was fired, uh, and from what I'm hearing, the kid wants to take an official visit to uh, Miami. Do I think the Hurricanes are going to get him? I, I don't know yet. Um, I'm assuming whoever is hired to replace Willie Taggart is going to make this kid a priority simply because 
he's a panhandle kid and that's kind of what you do once when you accept a job i mean you go and get the guys you're supposed to go get so we'll see but uh if they could take him and maybe upgrade that class i i, I he would without a doubt be the best linebacker they've signed uh this cycle and um he's almost like a more freaky version of of avery huff in, in my eyes if we're being honest wow wow freakier wow. than huff. freakier that's... than wow because Huff is a freak. I mean, you know that, you know, living down here in South Florida, seen him at St. Thomas a bunch. So, wow. that's. Uh, I mean, they're, they're like that similar mold. I mean, he's yeah. just – he's long and lean. Like, this is the type of linebacker that um, you need in this age of football with the spread offenses. You need guys who can cover, and I think Keyshawn's a guy who can cover. Andrew, it was great having you on, man. I, we talked a little bit off air, and I guess we can pull the curtain back a little bit now. Uh, I think you're going to be a, a bit of a mainstay here uh, with the Locked on Canes podcast. So uh, get used to hearing this voice a little bit, fans, because he's the go-to when it comes to recruiting. And the wealth of knowledge that you have, you should be well aware of everything that's going on. But we'll definitely have you back on, Andrew. Before we get you out of here, though, make sure, uh, go ahead and plug your work. Let the fans know where they can reach you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Always love talking some recruiting. Um, yeah, you can follow me uh, at Andrew underscore Ivans on Twitter. Uh, work for Inside the U, which is part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Easiest way to find that stuff, which is Miami.247sports.com. Andrew, it was great having you on, man. We will definitely have you back on. This early signing period is coming close, coming very quickly. Cam knows a little bit about that, too, but I'm just throwing – just to throw a little couple digs his way. Look, I do it, it semi-pro. Ivan's does it, you know, full-time and everything. So, uh, no, I defer to him. But, you know, thanks for coming on, buddy. I'll text you sometime soon. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. All right, man. See you. All right. So, that was Andrew Ivan's. 24-7 sports as well as inside the U. Make sure you go follow him. Go check his workout. Be up on, be in the know about all of the future hurricanes that are going to be very, very good in the near future. Uh, but speaking of near future, we're, we, we're going to break up. We're going to break down uh, and project this roster, this current roster, because recruiting goes hand, hand in hand with this. These same recruits that you may be we've just talked about may just be on this roster going forward. Uh, and we'll, we're going to kind of break that whole thing down uh, on the other side. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, so we're going to project Miami's 2020 uh, roster, per se. Depth their depth, depth chart, sorry, depth chart. So, of course, let's get this one out the way. I think it's an easy one. Quarterback. Um is there any chance that Kosey Perry, who I think is probably going to transfer, or Tate Martell, who may transfer, uh, has a chance to even get a sniff no. at this job? No, no. <laughs> I, I cut you off. Uh, no, there's not. Uh, Jaron Williams, he's your QB1 now. Uh, Manny Diaz has been steadfast in that statement, even through the early year. Um through the season uh, in 2019 with intermittently not great play and, you know, maybe an injury or whatever. Uh, but, no, Jerry Williams is that dude. I mean, you cannot have watched last week's game against Louisville and have any other takeaway, uh, especially if you back that up with other games and the way that he has developed and the way that he's looking. I mean, he has the look of just an absolute superstar at quarterback. So, you no, know, I would put it at, you know, Jaron number one, 
Kosey two, Tate three, Peyton Matoka four, and Tyler Van Dyke, your incoming uh, freshman five. I would think in the future Tyler Van Dyke is going to leap over um, Peyton Matoka. But for this next year, there's no reason to do that because he's going to redshirt anyway while Jaron's still balling. Mm -hmm. Now, I will agree with you that I think that you're going to see some movement in the quarterback room, i.e. somebody's going to leave because, you know, there's only one quarterback on a team usually. You know, and then you might get a little bit of rotation. You might get a little bit of playing time if the guy gets injured again, which happened this year. But I don't see both Nikosi and Tate staying. If I – and this is complete just me, myself, personally, conjecture. Uh, the way that I feel about it is that Tate Martell would probably be the one to leave uh, just because he was committed to multiple schools and he's already transferred. So uh, he he's the person that I look to as maybe moving around a little bit more than a Nikosi Perry who has a UM tattoo on his arm and has, you know, been – tweeting things like yo like i'm a hurricane you know like it's it's easy for you uh, yeah one thing he tweeted uh, recently he said it's easy for you to say what you would do you know what i mean and it's just it's a tough situation there are five guys right now on the board going back into the quarterback position uh room but i would say it's basically jaron and then everybody else falls into some kind of line and we'll see who ends up transferring all right so we have the running back and we'll kind of throw fullback in there too um but we have, as far as running backs are concerned... Wait, 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 wait. Uh-oh. What was your take on that? Okay, so for me, uh, for me, I, I'm cool. I'm cool with Jaron being... He's my. He's been my number one. I've actually been a fan of Jaron dating back to his high school days. What I'm seeing on tape now is exactly what I saw on tape in high school. It's just now, it's, it's being... I think he, the game is slowed down for him, so... I don't see anybody knocking him off of there. Um, I like I said, I think Nikosi's gonna. He may transfer. I mean, it sounds good that you got a tattoo, and you, that all sounds great until man, I'm, I, I want to play and coach. Am I gonna get in the game? Nah. Sunday night football, only time you get in, and probably not even then because we got Peyton Matoka here, and we also got Tyler Van Dyke here, and these are just me. This is me projecting what Coach Badias would say at this point later on down the road. I just I don't see I just a guy like Nikosi would be great in a spread offense like in like a Missouri or an Oregon where they're up tempo constantly going 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 and he doesn't have to make big plays down the field but he can just be a, a pure point guard at the position just hit short passes down short passes and he can use his athleticism and the, it's a no te- up tempo uh, type of offense that'd be great for him. Um, Miami's not going to be that anymore. And Tate Martell, no offense, but you're too small. I'm just going to call it how I see it. Uh, I saw him at the spring game, too small. Saw him play, even in the Wildcat, too small. I have running backs for that. I have a running back that can throw the football. He has experience throwing the football. Keep the running back in the game. I could see both of those guys, either one transferring or both of them transferring. Gotcha. Now, running back. You know, I, I have I, I say it every time he, he makes a big play. I also, especially when he's uh, he scores a touchdown, DJ Dallas. I think this is me, and this is me projecting a little bit. I think he comes back. Uh, there's too many good running backs coming out this year, whether it's uh, my personal favorite who's at Wisconsin, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he is the best. You know how we I say the best tight end in the, in the nation? That's Brevin Jordan. Well, 
that's the best running back in the country. No, no offense to to DJ, good old DJ Dallas, but he that's a whole different beast. So the, between him, Eno Benjamin, Travis Etienne, and others, when we're talking NFL, there's a whole that you you look at guy. I'm looking at it from an NFL standpoint. DJ Dallas needs to come back. He just simply needs to come back. And I hate saying that because running backs. Uh, they tend to the more wear and tear, the later they go. You know how that goes. But he's your number one. Uh, I think Lorenzo Lingard decides to transfer. Too many, too much time missed, injuries, no playing time. I think he's gone. Unfortunately, Cameron Harris comes back for his junior year, uh, and he'll. Be, I think they'll split carries a little bit more evenly, uh, just to kind of take the take the pounding off of DJ. Uh, and you'll also have Robert Burns at uh, as a junior and Don Chaney as a freshman. And I think Don Chaney Jr. will get a couple carries. He'll get some carries. Uh, he's explosive. He's really explosive. If he can figure it out in the pass in the pass pro, I really think he could be a special type of running back. Yeah, I agree with that statement about uh, Don Chaney Jr. Uh, that's pretty much all that I agree with, honestly. Uh, with you on running back. I just I look at it very differently. Uh, number one, I think that DJ Dallas should leave. Uh, the shelf life for running backs is so short mm-hmm. uh, in the game of football that you cannot give another season for free um, when you can be making money. And again, he just turned 21 and he has a kid. So uh, I'm not saying that like he's strapped or anything like that, but when you take into account those kind of factors in the past that's always led to somebody leaving so and when you have a running back who's in the conversation to leave as a junior rising senior I always like to think of them as leaving and if they come back that's a bonus right so for me DJ Dallas is going to leave I think that uh Cam Harris is your number one Lorenzo Lingard stays and he splits the number two role with Donald Cheney Jr. uh the incoming recruit and then Robert Burns stays where he is at number four on the depth chart uh as a fourth year junior I want to say if he sticks around um, he's somebody that uh, I think might maybe look to forge a path elsewhere uh, and then hopefully you know just like Andrew Ivan said you know hey maybe things are looking pretty good for Jalen Knighton so then he comes down and he's your number four or five whatever guy um, and then you I mean look Miami always is going to have talent there uh, at running back that's just a thing that is going to be true um I just think that the composition of the running back room and the listing of it, um, you and I differ in our viewpoints. And, and don't get me wrong. I, if it was up to me, if I was DJ Dallas, it's not even a question. I'm already gone. I got a foot out the door already because, like you said, running backs are a thing. But knowing what what's coming out with you, yeah, there you're going to be way down that list, and we know how we devalue running backs. There's layers to this thing. It's not just you know come on out and 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 hope something happens. But I agree with you on the whole. Uh, don't give any more for, uh, free yards up, per se. Um, do we really want to talk fullback, or, or are we are we good on fullback? I'm super good on fullback. I just <laughs> I want somebody to do the job. So you know, if Larry Hodges is the guy. Uh, because he's an age back and he can move a little bit better. If uh, Realist George, who was the number one fullback a couple of years ago in the recruiting class, steps up. If it's, I mean, look, this is a position where I would be okay playing a walk-on because it's not a position where they're going to necessarily really truly impact the game, like carry the ball or anything. You just need a big dude to go smash some heads. 
I'm fine with it, but that's about as much as I want to say about that. All right, so let's move on to the real playmakers, uh, the flashy, the sexy position, the Me. divas of the – and this is the real we'll, – we'll break this thing down a little bit because we'll talk a little ball here. So I know you, every now and then I, I try to throw some real ball in there because I know you're, you're an X's and O's kind of guy. So we'll talk X receivers. We'll break this into X, Z's, and F's. So our F is our slot receiver for those of you that don't really know the terminology. That's our slot. So it could be an F or a Y. I mean, okay. You can call it either way. Okay. <laughs> All right. So our X receiver, number one, D Wiggins. Not even a question. We've already kind of figured this out. I want to see more, but based off of what we've seen with a small sample size, he has the height, weight, speed, 6'3, 200 pounds, perfect for the position. Uh, Michael Redding could be also in the discussion for that if he if that hap- if that comes along. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I think it's D. Wiggins. Number one, obviously, he's going to be your start over position, uh, your your spotlight receiver, if you will. And then, yeah, Michael Redding, the third uh, true freshman incoming recruit from um, IMG Academy, is a big dude. You know, I was actually just working on a, a piece about him um, for our recruiting coverage at State of the U for signing day, because duh. Uh, but you know, he's like six one on one ninety five, like so he's a big. He's like he's he has muscles to him. You know, he's very uh, low body fat. You know, kind of a guy. I would put him as the number two guy at X. Now you might possibly rotate a, another guy over there uh, from the roster, but yeah, I think it's D Wiggins is the guy at X, and then maybe he needs a breather and you play Michael Redden the third, uh, who's you know an All American from IMG, and you keep it pushing. Like you don't need to overthink this at all. And but the only thing I will, yeah, the only thing I will say is because we've seen it so much, maybe quite possibly Miami could get a transfer there if they go on the transfer portal in that kind of a way. But with the way that recruiting is going, I don't necessarily think that you need that receiver anymore. Now, our Z receiver, that's your number two, that's your possession guy. Although that possession guy can be pretty fast, mm-hmm. especially when it's Miami or other schools in the state of Florida. But, of course, at Miami, we love speed, speed. We like Ferraris. Everybody else, they like they like. Yeah, they like the, the Chevys. They like the Fords. We like Ferraris. So, our, our Z, Mark Pope, he's the guy that everyone is expected to be that guy. Uh, he's 6'1", 180 pounds. He has good speed. And sometimes those hands, those hands, those hands. Man, he owe me push-ups still. I'm sorry. I, I still want to collect my push-ups. But no, D. Wiggins no. owes, you, owes you push-ups too. Oh yeah, he like, does too. He does like, too. Well, I, I mean, we, we're not going to just talk about Mark Pope dropping balls and not, you know, say <laughs> D. Wiggins either. I mean, he's playing a lot better and he's really taking a step forward. But he owes push-ups as well now. Oh, of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, but we also have Jeremiah Payton in, involved there. Uh, I want to see more. I want to see something from him. I've been. I was excited about him coming in uh, as a, as a true freshman. I was very excited about him. And, of course, uh, if, if all things go correctly, uh, Marcus Fleming. Yeah, and I think that that should be the pecking order there at Z receiver. Mark Pope, the light is starting to turn on for him at this level. And, you know, being a guy who started my career in blogging as uh, a recruiting guy, and, you know, I just still try to stay as connected to that as possible. Mark Pope was that dude, capital letters, in high school. And he played on the same team as D. Wiggins. Now, quick story, a couple of years ago, their junior year in high school, Southridge was in the state championship game, and they were down like six points or something. So they dialed up a, a go route up the left sideline for D. Wiggins, but it was incomplete. Called a timeout. It was like 27 seconds left in the game. Pope goes into the huddle like Michael Jordan and says, hey, call the same play. Put me over there, coach. I'm going to score. 
And the coach is like, no, no, call the same play, put me over there, throw me the ball, I'm going to score. What happens? Scores up the sideline, boom, done, state championship for Miami Southridge. So people have seen Mark Noodles Pope be that guy. That needs to happen at this level. And I think that he, we're starting to see the light turn on for him. So, yeah, I think uh, I go right exactly with you. So Pope and Wiggins, both from the same high school at X and Z. Um, and then, you know, behind them at Z, Jeremiah Payton. Another guy who was an All-American. I can't wait to see him start making plays. And then Marcus Fleming from Miami Northwestern, who's another guy with talent and speed. Yeah, that'll work. All right, so we have our F, or as you say, Y receiver, our slot receiver, the the most – the Swiss Army knife. That's what I call it, regardless of – and there's various ways that this guy can be. Uh, just – we can talk a little ball about it. Um, you know, it can, you can have your – and we'll use NFL references here, but – uh, you can have your Wes Welker, Julian Edelman types, or you can have your Taylor Gabriel, Tyree Kill types, who are just freakishly fast. And always, and I'd even throw Deshaun Jackson in there too, because you can use them in various ways. It's not just a crossing route anymore, it's a bubble screen, because that's what the game is turning into. It's a bubble screen kind of game now. Put a guy in space, put a big guy in front of him, and say, just. Let that guy block you, block that guy into oblivion and take off. I mean, you can have the 2 2 at will types, they're great, uh, but you can also have the, uh, the Cooper Cup types who are a little bit bigger, a bigger slot, and they can do a little bit different, some different things, but you don't really want them on the outside. They're complete possession receivers, they're going to get their face kicked in a lot, but they're going to make a ton of catches. So those are, I mean, those are various types of players that you can have, but we all know who our number, who the number one is here. Mike Harley, uh, 5'9", 170 pounds. I think he comes back. Uh, I don't think he's done enough yet just to say go to the NFL. Uh, and, and I hope he balls out if he does. But then also you have Marshall Few at 5'11", 190, or freshman, if things go right, Xavier Restrepo. Yeah, um... Mike Harley's the guy at slot, or your, your number three wide receiver. Uh, obviously, he had a career day last time out against uh, Louisville, and he's really come on in the second half of this season. So all that, you know, talk about wide receivers, shout out to Taylor Stubblefield, the wide receivers coach, because the receivers are playing uh, a lot better as the course of the season has gone on. So Harley's going to be your guy. I honestly think that Xavier Restrepo would have a role before Marshall Few. Uh, Marshall Few, who, like, you know, he was – state champion in high school where he got to a state championship game um but he just restrepo is just kind of different to me i mean he's a technician in the slot he pretty much catches everything he was at st thomas aquinas for the three years transferred up to deerfield beach uh is still just making plays and he plays both ways in high school but he's going to be a receiver here uh and a, i think he's going to be a pretty good slot receiver and return guy uh for the the miami hurricanes he finally got his offer and committed pretty much on the spot restrepo did um so yeah i would say harley and then restrepo so one uh, st thomas alum to a former st thomas player who ended up or will end up graduating from deerfield uh those being the two guys um at slot and then maybe Marshall Few, but I think it's going to take a real, real improvement from him to stave off the, the charge from Xavier Restrepo because not a lot of people are talking about him highly in this class, but I think that he's one of the more game-ready guys because of how he fits in the slot for this offense. Now, let's talk tight end. This is an easy one. I mean, I don't think we have to spend a ton of time here. Number one, going into his junior year, 
He's the best tight end in America. Let me repeat Same that you. for you. The best tight end in America. He profiles to me from what I've seen. I see Greg Olson all day, every day, and it's consistent. That's the one thing I find with tight ends. Nowadays, they don't block anybody. And in the beginning, I said, man, Brevin Jordan doesn't block anybody. But this year, that that changed. That changed on a in a big, big way. He is mm-hmm. easily the best tight end, and it's there's no discussing this. So we're, we don't even have to worry about who tight end one is. Will Mallory, 6'5", 230, solidified himself as the number two tight end. Uh, I want to see him get the ball in his hands. I, we just don't know what he can do yet because he's just never – when you have the best tight end in America in front of you, it's really hard to – it's almost like, you know – Remember when Frank Gore couldn't get on the field because he had guys in front of him? He had dudes in front of him? Similar situation. So I I expect more from him, and it's just going to be more snaps. I'm going to keep this even shorter than Fred said he wanted to keep his. Revan Jordan is number one. Will Mallory is number two. The rest will slot in after that. Next question. Keep it real short and short and sweet. All right, so we're going to talk about the offensive line. I've always said fat boys win championships, and I don't want to call them fat boys anymore because guess what? These guys are slim. These guys are getting – they're in shape and they're doing what they need to do, and I think they're rounding out into a pretty good bunch. So at left tackle, Zion Nelson. Mm, I think that's – I think we've solidified that. I might want to see a little bit – I might want to throw a little bit of a, a, a curve in just to make sure he's completely locked in. But I don't I don't think uh, Kylie on Herbert is going to be able to beat him out going Look, into – Can I can – I, can I interrupt you okay. and, and change kind of the conversation almost a little bit? I think that across the board, because Navon Donaldson, he's, he's coming back. He's not going to go to the league. I think that the same offensive line – should be next year's line from left to right. So that's uh, Navon, oh, excuse me, Zion Nelson in the left tackle, Navon Donaldson at left guard, Corey Gaynor at center, Ja'Kai Clark at right guard, and uh, DJ Scaife at right tackle. Do you agree with that? No qualms, none at all. Okay, so if you think that, and hopefully we see another big step forward like has been taken, just in general, because we don't need to go down each and every position on the offensive line because that's one of the harder ones to evaluate. Plus, the fact you don't necessarily see all the snaps in, mm-hmm. well, any of the snaps in practice. Who from the next level, like that second string backup level on the line, do you think can honestly push for rotation snaps in 2020? <sighs> Assuming that the starters stay the same. You know, I thought John Campbell was going to be that guy just coming out. I mean, size, hands, I mean, athleticism. I think the game was a little too fast for him, and we saw that early on. Um, Again, Kylie on Herbert, I think he'll be – he can also be a guy that can – can give – can be that sixth offensive lineman. Let's be real. To be very, very real, regardless of what level, whether it's high school – college or the nfl you're 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 trotting your top five you're you're bringing your starting five out there and they they're not coming off the field unless there's an injury i mean Mm -hmm. you may have that one guy that can play in and typically they're a center or a guard it's typically not a tackle which is odd you would think 
a tackle can play every position, but they're just because they're more athletic. But usually the interior linemen are the ones that are a little bit easier to be Swiss Army knives. So I think those are the guys that you're going to be looking towards to be more of the uh, the sixth the sixth offensive lineman, that swinging gate offensive lineman that can play all five positions. What say you? I think that there are two guys clearly um, who need to be in that conversation for – uh, you know, the sixth and seventh guys, so the first and second off the bench. One is John Campbell, just because he did start this year mm-hmm. at right tackle in the opener and has gotten rotational snaps at left guard uh, for game experience. And that was, you know, because of him developing, not because of Navon Donaldson struggling. So I think that that's your clear number six, so your first guy off of the bench. And then um, I would say between Kyleon Herbert and Zelante Hillary, one or both of those guys needs to step up. And, hey, if both of them step up, then you have three guys who can come in and then you have zero slippage or little slippage between the starting group and the secondary group uh, because both of those guys are going to be fourth-year juniors next year. So they've been here for three years. They have you know developed over time, uh, improved their body, increased their skills. So those are the real three guys that I'm looking at. Uh, John Campbell, Zelante Hillary, and Kyleon Herbert uh, passed the starters for taking a step forward and then being game ready if the situation calls for it. Now we'll call this defensive line because we don't want to keep these. You know, we don't keep these guys here forever, so we'll go defensive line. Uh, your defensive line, just projecting forward. I think John Garvin needs to come back. Of course. I don't want to call him the best defensive line in football yet, just yet, but he may be one of the best, and that is Gregory Russo. On the other, we have two bookends, Nesta Silvera, who I am a big fan of. I've been a big fan of him since he was in high school, and John Ford coming back for his senior year. So you'd have th- you'd have what three senior offensive linemen and a redshirt a redshirt sophomore. Actually, I'm sorry, two two seniors, a junior, and a redshirt sophomore. That is a ton of experience. Is that something that you think should hold serve? Absolutely, unless somebody from behind uh, steps up. So maybe a Jalen Phillips, uh, the former number one overall recruit mm-hmm. in America a few years ago, uh, coming off of his redshirt after transferring from UCLA. Maybe he's a guy who – you know, steps forward and inserts himself into the conversation for a starting spot or a heavy rotation spot. You know, Jordan Miller has really uh, progressed over the course of this year as well. Um, But no, I think that the starting uh, four should be Garvin, Ford, Silvera, and Russo. And then you just got a bunch of dudes behind them. Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams, uh, Romello Height, both are going to be incoming in this recruiting class. Jordan Miller, Jalar Holly, your dancing superstar. Um, Jared Harrison Hunt, Jason Blissett, you know, like Cameron Williams, who took an academic redshirt this year. There's a bunch of guys that I named that are all either high three-star or above talents on this defensive line. So, look, you got a bunch of dogs. Just go get after it, and you let those reps in practice determine who the number one guys are going to be to an extent. But, yeah, that, that top four, Garvin, Ford, Silvera, and Russo, set it and forget it and have the other guys fighting for the rotation snaps when they get tired. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you This group right here coming back, is it comparable to that Clemson group a couple years ago? It's, it's a step below because – of the lack of longevity. So, like, if if that group of defensive line can come back again, so let's just say, I mean, yeah, because you only have two seniors in that group, really. You know, but if you have 
you know, Jalen Phillips starting as a redshirt senior opposite Gregory Russo as a redshirt junior if he comes back with Nessa Silvera and Jordan Miller as a redshirt junior. That maybe could be a step forward, but that group at Clemson a couple of years ago had literal seniors across the board and one junior who was a freak. We're not there yet, but the collection of talent is as good as that Clemson collection of talent was without the longevity on campus to be at that level right now. Now, the one that this one's going to hurt a little bit because I don't get a, I don't get too attached to players, uh, especially in the, at, at, in basketball. You don't. But in college football, you get attached to players really well. It depends on who it is. And, you know, I got attached to a Sean Taylor. I got a, attached to a I even got attached to a Sean Spence for a while. Um, I got attached to a Artie Burns. Duke Johnson, those guys you get attached to, these linebackers, replacing two really solid dudes at linebacker. Yeah, Zach McLeod comes back, so you already know that outside backer spot, that that weak side spot is locked down, no questions asked. But that middle spot, Sam Brooks, does he um, – Sam Brooks sound good to you? Especially even though he was a guy that played with his hand in the dirt, in the dirt. Yes, and, you know, especially down here, and I know that it's uh, over in the Tampa area uh, for you as well, but teams in high schools put the best athletes mm-hmm. on the edge. Just look, that, that, that's, that, yeah, 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 you'll play whatever later. Go get that after the quarterback. Great, you know what I mean? Great like example is Gregory had, Russo playing safety. <laughs> he played safety and wide receiver, yeah. but then he was a situational pass rusher, mm-hmm. even at Champagnat. Mm-hmm. Sam Brooks had 18 and a half sacks as a junior before he tore his knee up after like eight games. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy with athleticism and talent, and you see the flashes of it. He's going to be the middle backer, I think, uh, coming back. So, you know, Zach McLeod at, at your weak side. Then you have Avery Huff backing him up, rotating in. Sam Brooks is going to be your guy at middle backer. Um, I think that that should be pretty clear. And then maybe go with the Patrick Joyner as your first guy off of the bench. Um, but, no, Sam Brooks is going to be really, really good. Now, where does that leave your guy, my guy Avery Huff? Where does that leave him? Also, a guy like a Wayman Steed who's a bit undersized but still able to – he could be able – if he comes back from injuries, where does that leave these guys on that weak side behind McLeod going in? And we that's essentially talking 2021, but still, mm-hmm. injuries happen. I'm not – knock on wood, injuries not happening. But we always have – we have to talk about it. Yeah, I think that Huff is going to be the backup on weak side, and I don't think that – I don't think that Steed's ever going to play really meaningful snaps here, honestly. I'm sorry. Um, but some guys are just program guys. Some guys are, you know, special teams guys mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, which we've seen. You and know? those guys are valuable. Um, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, I just think that there's other guys who have a higher ceiling and that are going to pass him and have passed him on the roster because he's a third-year junior or third-year sophomore right now. And Avery Huff is a true freshman, and he's probably going to be in front of him. Uh, so you've recruited over him. And then you have three linebackers in this next class, Corey Flagg at middle, and then Tyreek Austin Cave and A.J. Mathis at weak side, uh, who have talent as well. I'm not saying that they're going to pass Steed per se, but I would say it's clearly McLeod one, Huff two, and then the rest. But I don't anticipate maybe getting to the rest. Um, but, you know, with Avery Huff's build, he does have the opportunity maybe to play some striker, play uh, in space a little bit because he can run. So, you know, I know that Gilbert Frierson is going to be the guy at – striker 
next year, and I think that he's played enough rotation snaps, even in the Florida game, where he's gotten good game experience in spots that matter moving forward. Uh, and then you can use uh, the athleticism of an Avery Huff uh, moving forward, um, you know, in, in that same kind of a way. Now, let's talk about the secondary, because for the last few years, not counting this year, Miami's had a very, very stout secondary. I mean, the names like Jaquan Johnson, Sheldrick Redwine, who was one of my favorites, actually, and Michael Jackson, who had a he profiled as a Richard Sherman type, hasn't really done that much. Uh, he has time to, to do it, probably not as much as he thinks. But nonetheless, this secondary, this secondary is a lot different now. Um, I think Trajan Bandy comes back uh, for his senior year, uh, and we'll kind of we'll just say corner. So we'll go. I'll give three corners because um, nowadays you can't just have your your nickel corner is your is a starter now. So Trajan Bandy, nah, I'm good with that one. Um, to Corey Couch, I'm good with that one. Uh, on the other side, I would say DJ Ivy again comes back. He has the size. He has the um, he has a speed. Sometimes he, he annoys me with his technique. But, of course, uh, and Al Blaze Jr., I think those guys, are that's that's pretty much your, your, your lockdown corners. What say you? The top three at cornerback are going to be the same as they are this year because Miami only has five on the roster. It's going to be Trajan Bandy, DJ Ivy, and Al Blades Jr. Mm-hmm. in whatever order you want to call it. I would put it in the order that I listed, but hey, you could flip Blades and Ivy. That's fine. The, this recruiting class is going to be huge because Miami needs numbers at cornerback in a way that they've seldom needed. Usually over the course of the last decade, it's been you need numbers at quarterback, you need numbers at wide receiver, you need numbers at defensive tackle. It's weird that they need numbers on at corner, but that's going to bolster the depth moving up the or down the depth chart. Uh, so to Corey Couch and Christian Williams are going to be your four and five. I don't think they're going to usurp any of those top three, but they're going to be in regular rotation kind of positions where they can play if somebody gets injured or somebody needs a rest. But yeah, this recruiting class needs corners and that is for depth moving forward because Bandy's leaving after 2020. And then if Blades or Ivy have a really standout season, which could be possible because Miami has developed secondary players very well over the course of time, you're going to need these young guys to feed into the program moving forward. Now, the safety is the last line of defense for any defense. Uh, there's some good guys back here. And we saw Bubba Bolden uh, early. I hate that. I hate silly injuries that don't need to happen. I was excited about him. Um, but you also He was excited about him celebrating that play. <laughs> he definitely was excited. It, 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 it hurts. It, it literally, no pun intended, it hurts to see a guy go down. Uh, but I think the safety rotation is pretty strong. Uh, Gervin Hall has one safety spot locked down. I think Amari Carter has the other one. And I think you can you can put Bubba Bolden in. He can also play that striker position. That would be a nice spot, a nice rotation spot for him too. Uh, but then also, uh, I think you those are your three guys. I think that's that's your lockdown spots there. Um, what say you on that? Yeah, your top three at safety are all going to be NFL players down the line: mm-hmm. Irvin Hall, Amari Carter, and Bubba Bolden. I've said this for many a year, even. In the past, when I was decrying playing guys like A.J. Highsmith or Nantambu Kill Fentress, because you had three NFL players on the roster. Miami's back in that situation where you have three of them right now. Keontre Smith, he's going to be your number four. 
and he's going to be a good one. He was an All-American at Chaminade down here in high school, so he has the skills and physical ability, but he's going to need to start to get experience because those guys that I said are NFL players, they're eventually going to leave. And then, just like we talked about a little earlier with Andrew Ivins, I would love it if Jalen Harrell committed here because then he's into the conversation uh, at safety as well uh, as a Brian Balaam from Miramar. So then you would have three young guys coming from this class uh, and then last year's recruiting class who can then start to develop so that when you lose these guys invariably moving forward, you have a replacement for them. Now, this – and I'd be remiss to talk um, – I'd be remiss to talk special teams. Uh, easily, our, our we can start with the good, the punter, Lou Headley. Uh, I love this dude um, from the the tat. I mean, he's he's the guy coming off the off the bus first. First off, I'm just calling it how I see it. If we're playing a, if you're playing a school that just isn't really that good, he's coming off one of the first guys off the bus. He looks like the guy, and he seems like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But he see he looks like one of those guys you just don't want to be in a back alley with. So yeah, he's coming off the bus first, but he's actually a good punter. The rugby style punts are amazing. And they're working, and I think he's he's really close. If it, if there wasn't a DJ Dallas on this team, maybe a Jaron Williams late, he's my team MVP all day, every day this year. Lou Headley, I've been said that he's my team MVP, even with the DJ Dallas and Jaron Williams. That's the level of his performance. So, yeah, he's going to be back for another year. He's going to be your punter. I don't really see a need to say Does he have NFL written on all over him? Because I think he does. I think he does down the line, yeah. Uh, you know, just continue to develop and everything. I know that he's old already because, you know, he's a grown man. He's literally 25, 26 years mm-hmm. old. Uh, so his, you know, NFL career might not necessarily be uh, super uh, in its, in terms of its length. Uh, but, no, he has the skills and ability. So if he continues, and, again, he only averaged about 38 yards a kick last year at JUCO, and then he's averaging about 44 this year in Miami. If he's in that 44 to 47 range moving forward and just, again, being more consistent uh, in his technique and his abilities, I don't see why he cannot be an NFL puncher. Now, kicker. This is going to be the bad one. Camden Price or Bubba Baxa? I'll take my I'll take uh, Cameron Price for one for one thousand Cam and um, literally and I, Bubba Bolden I'm sorry Bubba Baxa I just can't uh, put him on kickoff I can live with him on kickoffs because he's booting it out the back of the end zone but please keep 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 him away from my my field goal um, field goal team I agree Camden Price I think has earned the job as the place kicker for field goals and extra points. Bubba Baxa has a very much stronger leg, so let him kick it out of the end zone for uh, kickoffs. Now, and that's it. Now, do you bring in a tra- a guy through the transfer portal just to give a little bit of competition, or do you no. just say, Camden Price, this is your job? I give it to Camden Price because Miami has the nation's number one kicker for 2021, uh, Bora Gallis from Shamanad uh, Madonna, uh, committed already so you're going to use another scholarship slot on a kicker after next season so i don't see a need to do that now you know because bubba baxa is on scholarship so you're not going to have three kickers on scholarship for a year that's just too many so you know maybe yeah maybe you do something where you uh split uh a half athletic scholarship for Camden Price because, you know, being a walk-on at Miami is a cost, and, you know, it, it yeah, it, it, that's real money. 
so maybe find a way to mitigate some of his costs and everything. But no, I don't bring in anybody else. I stick with what we've seen. We developed a guy who's been here, Camden Price, you kick it. And then, you know, when we get the other kid in, uh, in two years, uh, you know, we just allocate our, our resources in terms of scholarships that way, as opposed to bringing in somebody in the transfer portal. All right, so we broke down we and we projected out the depth chart for 2020. And we'll be talking a little bit more about how that depth chart will be affected because we're going to be we have a special crossover episode with the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sycamore and company are coming over to the Locked On Canes podcast to talk a little NFL draft and how some of you these underclassmen people uh, players that were that Manny Diaz talked to on Wednesday how they project and what they could potentially be going forward. And we all know not every player is meant to go to the NFL early, but if you really are that good, we'll be talking about it, all of that on tomorrow's show. Uh, I know this was a bit of a journey. I think this has probably been the longest journey we've been on. I don't think we'll be on another road trip for a while. So, guys, make sure uh, tomorrow, make sure you come check us out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter on Twitter at Locked on Canes. You can follow myself at Fred Purdue CFB. That is P-E-R-D-U-E. Thank you, Cam, for putting that out there. Um, and you can also catch Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Any final words parting shots no i have no final words or parting shots i've said a lot over the last two days i got a lot of feedback from uh my conversation at the end of yesterday's uh -oh, podcast uh -oh. about not being scared to play clemson no, no no good feedback people saying yeah we feel the same way so uh hey whether it's good or whether it's bad i appreciate you guys listening uh you know keep uh keep listening give us that feedback and we'll talk to you guys next time all right and i gotta can't i can't go without saying it it's all about the you go canes <laughs>